this is Dr. Barty, your host of Pill Talk, the podcast that gives you something to be motivated, inspired, to live at your full potential. Today, I got a guest, Aaliyah Watson, licensed professional counselor out of Houston, Texas, coming to give you guys information and some inspiration to live at your full potential. So Aaliyah, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, doing good this morning. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. So let's jump right into this. Let's get a little bit of background on who you are as a licensed counselor, licensed counselor. Uh, and how did you get started? I got started, I actually started off as a criminal justice major because I've always known that I wanted to help people. And then I actually get, got an internship at a um, domestic violence shelter and just seeing how much it helped women just to have a positive support, somebody to help them talk through their situations and realizing how much I impacted their life kind of helped to shift my career and wanting to go into counseling versus criminal justice. Okay, nice, nice, nice. So how did you even get into the into that program to work with domestic uh, women dealing with domestic violence? I actually, like I said, I was a criminal justice major. I had a professor who I took in a lot of classes. We had built a great relationship with. And so she actually was the director of the domestic violence shelter. And she told me she think I would be a good fit because I finished all my courses and all I needed was an internship. And it actually ended up being a paid internship. So she actually referred me to the job. And then from there, I actually ended up staying two years after to kind of prepare to get myself back into my master's program, doing some research of like, would it even look like to become a counselor? Because I know growing up that that wasn't something that was openly talked about, like, oh, I want to be a counselor, like a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist or something like that. So for me, I had to kind of do my own research to see, like, how do I get into this field? What all does this field entail and things like that? What are the career opportunities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a child, we probably didn't hear much about a counselor, but right now in this environment, they're like making the most and major impact in a lot of people's life because mental health is like number one right now, definitely during the pandemic. I was, you took the words out of my mouth. I was saying, especially since COVID, it seems like that mental health has become like more aware, even insurances kind of started covering it more because that's one of the, a lot of people's concerns. It's like, oh, counseling is expensive or my insurance doesn't cover it. But once COVID hit, a lot of insurance companies started waiving co-pays due to the increase in like depression, anxieties, and just different. What's up, everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson. I'm a pharmacist that was featured in one of the most prestigious publications, Marquis Who's Who in 2021, as a top medical professional of the world because of my impact through medication therapy management, outreach programs, and networking. I started my own podcast, Pill Talk Podcast, to sit down and talk with other top medical professionals about their journey. Some of the topics that we cover in our conversations are their career path choice, education level needed to practice in their career field, and most importantly, how they're impacting the lives of the patients that they see daily. So, I would like for you to join me every Monday at 6 p.m. as I release new episodes so you can learn about the different medical fields from the top professionals themselves. I just want to let you know that Pill Talk Podcast is just not a podcast, it's your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate, and aspire to live at your full potential. So become an empowered leader, 
and start to dream bigger with Pill Talk Podcast. So, I want you to go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel and support the podcast by becoming an active listener and purchasing some merchandise. Thank you. Um, so, how long have you been a counselor? First of all, what's the schooling to become a counselor? I got a master's in counseling education and I had already had my um, undergrad in psychology and criminal justice because I double majored. So from there, going to school, completing my master's program, and then to get licensed by the state, you have to take a test, complete 3,000 hours um, of training, and then you apply to get your license. Okay, okay. Sound like a, you know, a good bit of schooling right there. It is. Even outside of the schooling, it's quite an investment for the time after because you finish the, the two to two and a half year program. And then you still have 18 months of where you have to do like the internship hours and things like that. And then you get to apply to get your license. So it's about like a three to four year process. OK, OK. Um, during this time, were you able to work under other counselors? Well, during this time when you're an intern, you have to be you have to be under a supervisor, which is what I am. I'm an LPCS. So whenever you first get out of school, you have to be under a clinical supervisor. So she was a counselor. So yes, I got to kind of shadow her. But then also during my experience, I worked at a psychiatric hospital for two years. So I got to work with a lot of other mental health professionals. I actually got to see like a range of issues from like the person that's just depressed, suicidal to the schizophrenic who's talking to themselves and yelling at the wall. Okay, okay. Man, so you was able to touch on everything at once. So yes, that it's a very wide range of experience there. I definitely saw a lot of different issues. That's what's up. And um, how did that help you build your business and being able to touch all those different ranges of people? I think for me it helped me more develop like what my niche was. Because going in, it's like, I wanted to be a counselor. I enjoyed working with women, but I really didn't kind of know. Like, I didn't know a lot about substance abuse at that time. We've heard about, like, people talking to themselves and being schizophrenic. But actually seeing that process, seeing what medication looks like, for me, having that broad experience helped me narrow down to what specific clientele that I wanted to work with and then kind of sharpening my skills in that area so that I could be the best therapist for them. All right, go, go. And speaking about a niche, can you break down what is your niche? My niche is working, well, I, per my license, I'm licensed to, uh, I can work with marriage and family, so that's kind of my expertise. But my personal niche is working with minority women from in the age of like 16 to 52. Because a lot of the times we're de they're dealing with the same issues. It's either work stress, relationship stress, struggle with work to life balance, struggle with setting boundaries with family. So being able to provide them with the skills to be able to do that so that they can live their full life. Because I think as me as a black woman, I feel like, and even as a black male, you understand like, there's a lot of other societal pressures on us that kind of help like hinder us from kind of being mentally free. Like we have these high expectations of ourselves. We're trying to keep up with our peers or even do better than our peers. And sometimes putting those unrealistic pressures on ourselves can lead to like, us to self-doubt or even kind of low motivation and things like that okay great 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 yeah because like how you just said like you've seen other people appear to be doing so well definitely on social media because that's the age you're living in like you start looking at yourself and be like yo i'm not living like how they living 
Because I think we all kind of looked at ourselves that way. Like, man, I know him, but is he really doing it like that? I think I need to turn mm-hmm. it up a notch. And then when you actually go sit down and talk with the person or a friend of yours, and they be like, man, I had to borrow money from my grandma, my mom, and everybody to take this trip and did this. You were like, yo, so you didn't pay your rent, but you went out to Vegas? <laughs> exactly. And that's what I mean by helping people to rationalize their thoughts, because we're in such a society where we see so much. But unfortunately, a lot of the stuff is not reality. Like I could post a workout from yesterday and post it this morning, like, oh, I'm so fit. That's not real time and it's not reality. So that's, again, that the therapy process is like reminding yourself, you can't compare yourself to them because you don't know what happened behind that post. You don't know what led up to that Vegas vacation that looks fun, but actually they came home to no lights. So I think that that's a big thing. And I think that that's actually a bigger issue with our society and comes to like the comparison and the pressure. I think social media it is horrible with that and that's like a small thing that I try to like tell my clients when they're going through some of these things whether it be depression anxiety work stress maybe just taking like one day out of the week or like three hours out of the day and just like delete social media off your page try to find that time to be productive to read a self-help book go sit outside and get some vitamin d do something that'll actually improve your mood instead of kind of attacking your mental What's up, everybody? Let me introduce myself. My name is Dr. Bartu Wilson, the host of Pill Talk Podcast. With Pill Talk, we are empowering the next generation of medical providers and professionals. Through my conversations with other top medical providers, my audience get an inside look at what it takes to make it to their level and how they're providing excellent service for their patients. If you're pursuing a career in the medical field, join me on Pill Talk to get inspired by empowered leaders, empowering the next generation of leaders in the medical field. We are the leaders of tomorrow. We are the leaders of now. So join me every Monday at 6 p.m. as I release a new episode talking with empowered leaders who want to share advice, coach, and network with you. So become an empowered leader with Pill Talk Podcast. Pill Talk Podcast is not just your regular podcast, it's your medicine. The daily dose you need to educate, motivate, and aspire to live at your full potential. So, come on down and become an empowered leader and start to dream bigger with Pill Talk. And while I got your attention, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel and support the podcast by becoming an active listener. And if you like, become an empowered leader by... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And so you also said you try to find them, make sure they find a work-life balance as well. Mm-hmm. Especially with a lot of people, I realize like this is my first question. Whenever a client's like, oh, I'm stressed out from work. You know how many people don't take their full hour lunch or 30-minute lunch? A lot of people work through lunch. They sit there, they're still making phone calls. Even after work, we're returning work emails. First thing when we wake up, we're checking our work emails. So for me, the first balance is like, Make sure you're taking your full lunch. Step away from your desk. Don't eat at your desk. Get to work on time. Leave at the time you're designated to, you're supposed to leave. Like those are small boundaries that can create more time for self-care or even just time to be productive in other aspects of your life. Yeah. So one of the things in my interviews, I've been talking to other uh, professionals or whatever. And that's one of the things they said was um, they had two phones. So they had a work phone and they had like their personal phone. So after work hours, off on the weekends or vacationing, they put the phone, their work phone inside of a drawer, turn it off and like, I'm gonna get back to it when I get back to it. Whatever happens when I'm gone, they have to just deal with it. 
And um, when I get back, I'm going to make sure everything gets back aligned. I'm like, yo. That, I agree with that. Like, even like for me, I work for myself. So yes, I have the, the two phones. So I do that. But even when I was in the workplace, I would kind of tell my boss, like, hey, the thir first 30 minutes of the day, like, I want to set my tone for the day. So please, I'm not returning emails. I'm not having any meetings. And also the last 30 minutes of the day, please don't schedule any clients. Please don't schedule any meetings. Like, this is my time that I need to, to kind of prepare. And so I agree. Like, you know how many times I tell clients, delete, even if you don't have two phones, delete your work emails off your personal phone. Because it's just that urge of like, I see a notification, like, ooh, I need to check it. Ooh, what's going on? So like for me, I tell them, if you don't have the luxury of having two phones, delete work stuff off your personal phone, especially if your company is not paying your phone bill. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I'm forever. <laughs> Hey, I'm not mad at And a lot of people are salary employees. So you're not getting paid for all that extra time. And unfortunately, a lot of jobs don't give you those kudos when it's like, hey, I saw you responded to an email after work or I saw you were able to troubleshoot something as soon as you woke up. Like, they don't acknowledge that. It's just kind of like, cool, you were supposed to do that. Yeah. And a quick example, as a pharmacist, right? I'm a retail pharmacist. So when you be like, oh, take your hour lunch or your 30-minute lunch, like, some of the pharmacists don't even take a lunch. Like, I know people who will tell me, oh, they work straight through 12 hours a day. And I'm like, listen, even if it's only 10 to 15 minutes for myself, I will tell my text, hey, don't take any waiters. I'll be right back. Let me just go and eat on the side by myself for a second so I can be comfortable, so I can come back refreshed. Because I know me, if I just work straight through, by the time the end of the night comes up, you know, I might be grumpy, a little upset. Exactly. And you would be surprised how many people do live like that. That's why my first question is, do you take your hour lunch break? Because so many people do not. Like they're trying to hurry up and get stuff done and keep up. Like I recommend people, even if you don't take the full lunch break, just go sit in your car for 10 or 15 minutes. Sit outside, like remove yourself from the situation to at least attempt to recharge and take time for yourself. And then, like you said, another thing, if we're working these 12 hours, I'm sure your eating's not the best. You're not staying hydrated. Like you said, I'm scarfing down food. That's not healthy. And I tell people to maybe even kind of communicate with their employers. Like, hey, if you want me to be the best employee here or for me to be to perform at my best, I need to be able to stay hydrated. I need to be able to eat. I need to be able to take a snack. I need to be able to decompress in between some of these clients. So, you know, also advocating for yourself. That's something that I always tell clients advocate for yourself for your employers because they want you to perform to your best potential so if you want me to do that you help me help myself make sure you have enough staff so that we are able to take a lunch break because yeah. I remember when I worked at the psych hospital like it was such a norm for us to sit at our desk and work through lunch and I'm like this can't be life and like I remember when I would used to like go outside and eat my lunch like it would be like those side eyes of like why she not working I'm not getting paid to work right now. So I'm going to go eat and enjoy myself. Yeah. And, and then me, when I come back, I'll, I'm ready. When I come back, I'll hit the ground running. But before that, no, you're not going to get all my time and energy. Because I still got to go home, take care of myself, take care of my child. So it's not fair to me or my child to deplete myself for an employer. And I just feel for me that, that 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever, it just a uh, it, get, it refreshes you. So when you do come back and you got fresh eyes, you're able to like look at things a little bit. 
Definitely. And I think that people just don't understand like a small change like that in your schedule, how much it can impact your day. Um, and another niche of yours is uh, domestic violence. Well, I, I used to like work specialized with domestic violence, but it is again with working with minority women. Unfortunately, a lot of people have encountered a lot of physical or verbal abuse, whether that be from a family member or a spouse. So at times that does come up, but typically it's just working with minority women, dealing with relationship, work stress, and then home to life balance. Like I would say that's about 80% of my clients, and then the other like 10% is males dealing with the same thing, like African-American males dealing with the pressure of society. Um, also during the pandemic, when everything happened with George Floyd and stuff like that, that actually impacted a lot of males in their mental. So I actually had an increase in male clients around that time, just kind of wanting somebody to vent to and process through kind of this situation. And like even parents, like how do I deal with this? Cause I have a child or women, my husband and things like that. Yeah, definitely as a man, I've been, stopped and harassed by police multiple times to the point it really came like a norm. And until you have to realize like, this really shouldn't be happening to me so often. And like seeing I mean, stuff I on the news. I shouldn't feel like it's a norm. Yeah. And like seeing the stuff on the news and you watching like movies and like you see like the white character actually being in a situation that like a black man being harassed by the police and they're like, wow, what's going on? Like, and it's such a big deal. You like, man, like, I have been through that situation so many times. Like, maybe, like, now you start like, this really isn't the norm. And then you start, like, thinking to yourself and trying to, like, you know, we have to really fix this. Mm hmm Definitely. And a lot of history is, like, a lot of this stuff is still going on. And like, I know for a lot of African-Americans, we don't know what to do. Because if you buck the system, you're going to get shot. We know this isn't our right. So it, it kind of puts you in, like, a... A point of like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm out of control, which can cause stress, anxiety, or depression. Um, but yeah, that's one thing. So if you don't mind, can you give us an example of like a patient coming into you having a concern and how your counseling services has provided them a new or better outlook on I'm going to use an example of a couple that I worked with because a lot of couples, they come in usually whenever the relationship is already damaged. It's either premarital counseling or we about to break up. So we're here and we need you to fix this. So for me, kind of one thing that I've realized with a lot of them was communication. I feel like communicate, like teaching people how to communicate and also a big 50% of that is actively listening, learning how to communicate to your spouse and I feel like that kind of changes the dynamic because a lot of the times when we're communicating and we're not in a good space, we're feeling attacked or we're feeling like the person's not hearing us. So using the skill of like, well, hey, explain to them how do you feel? You tell me what you heard and then in the US that other person, is that exact, is that what you meant to say? And then showing people how to break down the basics of communication. And I think that that kind of helped that couple figure out how to work through their new situation because they had the new tools of how to actively listen and assertively communicate. Because I think that is something that people don't understand with communication. Like, I think it was a game we did in like elementary where the teacher said like a sentence and she like passed it along down the line. And at telephone. the end- It was called telephone. Oh, that's what it's called, telephone. And then yes. by the time we get to the last person, it's nothing what was actually said. Not one word. 
So. I agree. I used to use that game whenever I worked with a lot of teen groups to try to show them like how gossip is spread. Like it starts off something and then by the end people put their own switch. You hear things different like, oh, I thought she said yellow, but she said mellow. So it shows. And I think that people don't understand that a major part of communication is listening because so often we want to talk to prove our point versus actually like hearing the other person's perspective. That's a really great exercise. You made me thought about that. I was like, man, that reminds me of something. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. So um, you started your own business. You're thriving. So what's the future plans? What are your next goal that you're aiming for next? Um, like I said earlier, I'm a licensed professional counselor supervisor. So my next goal would be to kind of take on more interns because for me, I want African-Americans, people, to, oh, let me back up some. Okay, so I know a lot of times whenever I'm having clients, look, a lot of clients are like, I can't find a therapist that looks like me or I can't find a therapist that I could relate to. So as a supervisor, I would like to take on more minority interns and assist them with adjusting through the process and also promote entrepreneurship because in mental health, we're so used to working for agencies, but if we can figure out how to do insurance and everything ourselves, these agencies are really jipping us. They're only paying us like maybe 40% of what the insurance is paying them. But I know for us, entrepreneurship isn't always pushed and promoted in the African-American community. So my goal would to be continue using my supervision license to get more interns to kind of help create good quality therapists for other minorities to seek out for. Because I think that again, us as African-Americans, we need to seek mental health like and make it more normalized. Like if you talk to Sally or Susie and she's having a bad day, all her friends are like, oh my God, did you go to therapy? Versus like in our community, it's like, oh, I'm going to therapy. Ooh, for what? You crazy? Like to try to maybe normalize this. So as we see more people like us in the field as the providers, and also that'll maybe promote more people coming to see us. So ultimately to gather more interns to do that. And then also to expand my business in Louisiana, because I've actually have a lot of clients who like have moved here to Texas and they talked about the limited resources that are out there in Louisiana for African-Americans. So just making sure that I can become a resource out there and building my network there. So that again, let everybody know that mental health is just as important as physical health. You go to your doctor every month to get an annual exam. What's wrong with checking in with your therapist to make sure your mental is good? Yeah, that is really true. You gotta be mentally and physically sound, you know? Mm -hmm. um, speaking about your services, you do one-on-one counseling, Couples. I do individual therapy, couples therapy. I also facilitate groups. And then also I work with agencies to come in and do like team building, communication and self-care um, exercises. Like I usually work with a lot of law firms doing that because prior to contrary belief, there's a high suicide rate in lawyers. So a lot of them kind of promote for having somebody maybe come in quarterly just to check in, provide some self-care education. So I usually facilitate a lot of groups like that as well. All right. Do you do all of these in person? You know, it's the COVID happened. So do you do any virtual or phone? Um, actually, since COVID's happened, I've been strictly virtual at this time. I plan on coming back in person around August. So I've done everything virtual. Even some of those groups I'm talking about, I facilitated those via Zoom as well. 
Um, thank God for social media. Like I've been able to do like a lot of Instagram lives and collaborate with other agencies to do Instagram lives to kind of put that information out there. All right. Would you still have this hybrid um, virtual in-person going forward? Um, I think I might because strange fact about me before COVID, I was actually against virtual therapy. I'm big on seeing people feeling your vibes, your body language, because like, if you're nervous, I can see your foot tapping. I can see you messing with your hands, but virtual, I'm only getting like this. So I don't really know like what's going on. So before COVID, I was actually against virtual, but then COVID came in, you ain't got no choice. So I think that I would continue it because to some extent I've noticed some of the pros, like if I'm saying my, my majority of my client is like minority women, a lot of them are working full-time mothers. So they don't have that time to, in Houston traffic, drive all the way to an office, make it back to get their kid and deal with that versus, hey, let me take a quick lunch break or, hey, let me go in the room after I feed the kids and let me dedicate this hour to myself. So seeing the benefits of that is kind of something that's making me want to continue to see that, to, to do virtual and in-person. But at this time, I don't know what like an even balance of that looks like. So that's my goal to figure that out by August to make sure that I'm able to accommodate all of my clients and then also new incoming clients. That's good. That's good. All right. So if anybody want to get in contact with you, can you let them know your social media, social media handles, uh, mm -hmm. your website and everything? Yes. On Instagram, you can find me at Leah the Therapist. On Facebook, I have a business page, Liaison, L-I-A-S-O-N, Counseling Services. Um, you can also go to my website, liaisoncounselingservice.com, and then via email at liaisoncounselingservice at gmail.com. All right, all right. Well. And if you do, please feel free to reach out to me about anything mental health, because a lot of people, they don't know where to start. They don't know about insurance. They don't know about EAP. So I just love to educate people. So if anybody has any questions and there's no such thing as a dumb question, like please feel free to like DM me, email me or anything like that. I'm always open to assist in any way. That's dope, that's dope. So if you got any questions about mental therapy, any questions about counseling, make sure you holler at Leo Watson <laughs> at uh, Liaison Counseling out there in Houston, Texas. So this is Pill yes. Talk. Or if you're in Louisiana, you can hit me up. I'm licensed out there as well and also on a lot of insurance panels out there as well. So if you're in Texas or Louisiana, please feel free to contact me. Or anywhere, like actually really anywhere because <laughs> mental health services are kind of the same. So I can at least direct you or assist with directing you to the right person. So anywhere, if you got any questions about mental health, please feel free to contact me. That's what it is. That's what it is. Well, thank you for coming on Pill Talk Podcast. It's been a pleasure learning a little bit about thank mental you. health and counseling. Um, we definitely have to do this again sometime soon. Yes, definitely. All right. Thank you so much for having me.